0: This is GM Word of the Week, and I'm Fiddleback. Ninjato Upon waking from our low main induced torpor following the second anniversary celebration we alluded to two weeks ago, which is why there was no episode last week, upon returning from our second anniversary celebration, we discovered an email in our mailbox regarding a correction we had missed. A listener named Brandon sent us the following. I'm certain someone else has alerted you to the fact I'm shortly about to expand upon. I feel especially Johnny come lately as your Katana episode was posted well over a year ago. However, I recently listened to your newest Lost episode and I believe the perhaps somewhat trivial issue I wish to clarify has not come up as of yet. And so I feel an enormous sense of pride as well as an overwhelming nitpicking fanboy embarrassment. In your Katana episode, you specify twice that Leonardo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wields twin katana. While this is widely accepted, it is not correct. Leonardo actually carries a pair of Ninjato. These weapons are, simply put, straight-bladed versions of katana. Interestingly, as there is no historical record of such a blade ever being used, it's believed this weapon was created by 20th century filmmakers and later adopted by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the creators of the Ninja Turtles. Thank you eternally for reading my nonsense. I absolutely adore your podcast and have recommended it to every word nerd I know. I look forward to your future content. Thanks, Brandon, for your email. It's clear you feel very strongly about this. And if this were just an issue of a fake Hollywood weapon of ambiguous existence, we'd let this go. But you, sir challenged our knowledge of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that is something we simply cannot ignore. In short, them's fight words. The problem is Brandon has made two very definitive statements about two very non-definitive things that people think are more definitive than they are. Both the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise and the history of the Ninja are complex and vague, and they are actually inextricably tied together. So let's talk imaginary turtles and non-existent ninja swords. And while we can't prove that the Ninjato did exist, we can defend our statement that Leonardo's weapon of choice is properly called the Katana. First of all, if you somehow missed the last 30 years of pop culture and don't know what we're babbling about, let's begin with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are exactly what they sound like. They're a team of four turtles Mutated into intelligent, upright standing humanoids. They're approximately 15 years old and they've been trained in the art of ninjutsu by their master, a mutated humanoid rat or, or ratoid human named Splinter. They have several allies, including a television reporter or laboratory assistant or 15 year old high school student named April O'Neill. And they fight the Shredder, who is a human master ninja from Japan when he is not a reborn ancient Japanese Tengu demon, or a robot ninja suit worn by an alien from outer space. They also fight the extra-dimensional alien brain named Krang, except when they are fighting the alien slugs called Utrom. Except when they are fighting a whole race of alien brain slugs called Krang who are all named Krang. See, it's complicated. And the reason why it's been complicated is that there have been many different incarnations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. There have been, to date, six major comic series, five major television series, and six feature films, three of which form one standalone trilogy, one of which stands alone as a sequel to one of the animated television series, and the most recent two forming a new standalone series. There have been numerous video games, tying into various other media or standing alone, there has even been a tabletop role-playing game. There's also been at least one substantial animated miniseries, one made-for-TV movie crossing over several of the different franchises, and even a concert tour. Yes, a concert tour. Going over the entire history of the franchise would take days, so we're going to have to focus if we want a definitive answers to what weapon Leonardo wields. Leonardo is one of the four ninja turtles. See, when Splinter, the mutated rat, human, or human rat, adopted the turtles, he decided to name them after his favorite Renaissance artists. Leonardo was named after Leonardo di Piero da Vinci. By the way, that mouthful just means Leonardo, son of Master Piero of the city of Vinci. The reason he goes by that mouthful instead of having a proper surname is because he was born out of wedlock. Everyone knows Leonardo da Vinci as the er example of a renaissance man. He was a polymath, someone skilled at doing lots of things. He was an inventor, a philosopher, an artist, a scientist, an engineer, and a mathematician. Who were the other turtles? Fine, just to add a little bit of culture to this discussion, we'll run through them. Raphael's namesake was Raffaello Sanzio da Urbino. He was an Italian painter and architect who is most famous for portrait work and for a number of rooms he designed and decorated in the Vatican Palace. Michelangelo was named after Michelangelo di Ludovico Buonarroti Simoni. Today, he's about as famous as Leonardo da Vinci, and he is known for his most famous sculpture, David, and his most famous painting on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Finally, Donatello was named after Donato di Nicolo di Beto Bardi. He's much less well-known than the other three and worked primarily in sculpture and wooden bas-relief. Anyway, each of the Ninja Turtles was trained to wield a specific ancient Japanese weapon. Donatello wielded the bow, a Japanese quarterstaff. Michelangelo used a pair of flail-like nunchaku. Raphael used a pair of parrying daggers called the sai, and Leonardo wielded... Well, here's where we get to the crux of the issue... He is popularly referred to as wielding a pair of katana. You know, the curved Japanese longsword we discussed back in that one episode. But his blades vary in length from depiction to depiction. That's bad enough. But his blades are also depicted as straight blades in some versions. And, in fact, the depth of the curve varies substantially even when his blades are curved. And this isn't insignificant. See, the thing that makes a katana a katana is that it is a curved, single-edged sword. No curve, no katana. So which version is right? Which one is definitive? To answer that question, we have to discuss the history of the franchise and the comic book industry that spawned it. To say the story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise begins with comic artist Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman wouldn't quite be accurate. The story really begins with a countercultural revolution in the comic book industry that began in the 1970s. In our episode on Adamant, we described how the comic book industry struggled against accusations of encouraging juvenile crime and violence in the 1950s, and that the result was the creation of the Comics Code Authority. That was a voluntary self-censorship program by comic book publishers to avoid gore, violence, and sex, and that heralded the Silver Age of Comics. But by the 1970s, a counterculture was starting to grow in the comics industry. In the mid to late 1960s in the United States... Anti-authoritarian movements and the civil rights movement were coming to the fore. Big social changes were happening. And as a result, the Comics Code Authority started to lose power. Comic books were starting to tackle more complex social themes. The stories were becoming darker and with higher stakes. And then, in 1973, a major event shook the comic book community. Spider-Man's girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, was killed right there in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man issue number 121. She died when Spider-Man inadvertently broke her neck, trying to rescue her from a fall. And that heralded the so-called Bronze Age of comics. During the Bronze Age, several famous comic book authors rose to prominence. Frank Miller took over writing on Daredevil and then Batman. Remember that Daredevil thing, that's important. Alan Moore wrote his dark and gritty deconstruction of the entire superhero genre, Watchmen. And comics begin to gain acceptance as an art form rather than just as silly stories for children. But two other things happened during this era of supreme importance. First, this was the era that the feature films Star Wars and Jaws basically created the modern concept of summer blockbuster films. And second... This was the era where comic publishers began to make as much or more money with toys, t-shirts, and other merchandise. It was the era of movie tie-ins and licensed products. Eastman and Laird found themselves working in this era of comics, and they were fans of numerous comic books of the day. Especially of Frank Miller's take on Daredevil. Daredevil tells the story of a man who is blinded, but left with other super senses after a traffic accident exposes him to radioactive waste. He then takes on violent street gangs and organized crime in some of the darkest parts of New York City. Now, Eastman and Laird possessed a great sense of humor. One night, while working late at Mirage Comics, Eastman suddenly doodled a humanoid turtle wielding a pair of nunchaku and labeled it a ninja turtle. Two were reportedly overtaken by a fit of giggles at the absurd premise, and soon drew several more. At first, it was a joke. Just something to break the late-night monotony. But the pair soon worked their idea into a comic book filled with homages to their favorite comics. Especially Daredevil. In the comic, the canister of radioactive sludge that mutated a quartet of pet diamondback terrapin turtles was the same one thrown from the truck that blinded Matt Murdock and turned him into Daredevil. And by the way, if you're a Turtles fan and think the Foot Clan is a strange name for ninjas, that's an homage too. It's a reference to the Hand Clan of ninjas that Daredevil occasionally encountered. Originally, the pair intended for the comic to be a one-off spoof, a send-up of overly dark, gritty comics that juxtaposed a ridiculously silly premise with noir-style narrations and extreme violence. But the comic caught on in popularity. Laird and Eastman borrowed some money from Eastman's uncle and founded Mirage Studios to publish their new comic. And the comic book garnered a cult following, though it was far from a household name. This is where the merchandising thing becomes important. In 1986, an agent named Mark Friedman was looking for new properties to turn into licensed merchandise, specifically figures and toys and he came across the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books. He approached Eastman and Laird and put them in contact with a toy company called Playmates. Playmates was willing to produce Ninja Turtle action figures and toys, but they were concerned that the franchise wasn't popular enough to drive sales of toys by itself. They proposed an animated cartoon show based on the franchise, emphasizing humor over dark action and grit. Basically, a kid-friendly half-hour toy commercial. Just like G.I. Joe and Transformers. And just as with those shows, each episode was written to sell toys. In many cases, new characters were introduced as toys first, and then stories were written around them. And that cartoon show, which first aired in 1987, invented pretty much every aspect of the franchise that most people are familiar with today. From the color-coded masks, to the personality traits, to the catchphrases, to the love of pizza, to... well, everything. And in that series... Leonardo's swords were usually depicted as three-foot-long curved weapons. We have to say usually, because the art varied from episode to episode somewhat, and because it was fraught with animation and continuity errors. But in the opening credits, Leonardo clearly wields katana. And in the most recent animated series, which premiered in 2012 on Nickelodeon, and is still currently airing, it also depicts Leonardo as the master of the katana. But maybe you don't think those count as definitive. What about the originals? What about Eastman and Laird's original vision? Well, in the original run of the comic books, Leonardo's swords are depicted as too short and too straight to be katana. We don't dispute that. But in a piece of concept art signed by Laird and Eastman from early 1984, Leonardo's swords are clearly labeled as sword or katana. You can see this art in Andre Virago's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Ultimate Visual History. Eastman and Laird just don't know their Japanese weapons. They drew the wrong sword, but they meant for it to be a katana. We should also note that their use of sword as synonymous with katana was also an error. Ken swords are double-edged. Katana have a single edge. And the tabletop role-playing game adapted from the comic book series in 1985 before the 1987 animated series lists Leonardo as using the daisho. Daisho refers to wielding a katana and a similar but shorter companion sword known as the wakizashi. Remember that. The wakizashi is basically a shorter cousin to the katana. It is also curved and straight-edged. Let's say, for some reason, you don't care about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and our accuracy regarding their armaments. What does any of this have to do with a non-existent weapon? Well, that brings us around to the Ninjato. The Ninjato, also called the Ninjaken or the Shinobi Katana, which are all names that pretty much just translate to Ninja Sword, is a straight, single-edged sword with an angled, but not a pointed tip. It's usually about two to three feet long, and it has a square guard called a tsuba. It very much resembles a wakizashi, except that it is straight and not curved. And the guard is considerably larger and square in shape. And, since 1964, almost all pop culture depictions of ninja wield the ninja sword. Not the katana. In 1964, in Iga City, in the Mie Prefecture of Japan, the Iga-ryu ninjutsu museum opened, and it has since become one of the most famous repositories of ninja lore and equipment in the world. And that's appropriate, as Iga city is often called the birthplace of the ninja. In truth, Iga was actually the center of one of two broad schools of ninjutsu that came to dominate the art. The other was Koga. Thus, although there were many different ninja traditions based on the same framework throughout Japan, the Iga-ryu, and Koguryu traditions were the biggest and most famous. Now, we've talked about ninja before. But the problem with talking about ninja is this. They were quite secretive and protective of their techniques. And that's because ninja were spies, saboteurs, assassins, and espionage agents for hire. Their art was known as ninjutsu. But ninjutsu was actually a collection of some 20 or so different combat, infiltration, and athletic techniques. And because of their mastery of stealth, infiltration, disguise, and gunpowder, they were often attributed with supernatural powers. The Ryu Ninjutsu Museum's collections were a mix of bits and pieces of historical record and artifacts, as well as replicas and mock-ups. And among the replicas were several straight-bladed swords they called the Ninjato. At the same time, these swords appeared in a popular Japanese series of movies called Shinobi no Mono, or Tales of the Ninja. But the ninjato really becomes synonymous with the ninja thanks to a self-proclaimed ninja master, an American ninja master, Stephen Hayes. In the 1970s, a theater major by the name of Stephen K. Hayes visited Japan to pursue his love of martial arts. In 1980, he returned to the United States after his visa ran out with his new wife Rumiko and self-proclaimed title of Master of Ninjutsu. Almost immediately, he began publishing books and articles romanticizing the ninja of Japan. He presented the ninja as an oppressed class of mystic warriors, constantly at war with an oppressive government. They were champions of the lower classes. And most historians will tell you that this is a load of bunk. While it is true that many Japanese leaders did employ commoners as makeshift spies and assassins, the Iga, Koga, and other ninja were true professionals. They were full-time experts for hire, and among the Iga and Koga families numbered some 90 powerful families and clans that were employed by the most successful members of the Japanese ruling castes until 1581. That is, until the warlord Oda Nobunaga systematically laid waste to the ninja clans in the mid-1580s. The few surviving ninja continued to practice their art in secret, becoming bodyguards and spies for hire. In the 18th century, it appears that some of the remaining ninja formed the foundation for the Japanese government's first true intelligence agency and secret police force. Now, despite his dubious historical accuracy, Hayes's multitude of books about ninja history and ninja techniques became extremely popular, and his formidable martial arts skills gained him a great deal of notoriety. Black Belt Magazine named him one of the ten most influential martial artists of all time. And he basically invented the American popular culture version of the ninja. Black pajamas and all. Yeah, see, historical ninjas probably preferred disguises or actual camouflage to black pajamas. In fact, his writings were responsible for the sudden explosive popularity of ninjas in the 1980s. The same popularity that led to Daredevil fighting hand ninjas and to comic artists doodling ninja turtles to pass the time. Hayes actually had a lot to say about ninja sword technique and about what swords ninja used. He explained that the oppressed, downtrodden, impoverished ninja could not afford to avail themselves of the work of master swordsmiths. So the Katana and the Wakazashi were unavailable to them. Instead, they developed a smaller, more easily concealed straight blade. The Ninjato, a sword he probably learned about thanks to Japanese cinema and the eager Ryu ninjutsu museum replicas. And as a result of his articles and books, modern sword manufacturers actually started selling replica ninja swords in the pages of Black Belt and other enthusiast magazines. The problem is that there is no historical evidence that the ninjato ever existed. The only examples of the weapon are replicas. And the earliest of those were manufactured in the 1960s. So the whole thing is a myth. Or is it? What writings we do have from the time point strongly to the ninja favoring smaller and straighter blades. One scholar of Japanese medieval history, Dr. Stephen Turnbull, has written about the importance of the sword in ninjutsu as both a practical tool, an instrument of assassination, and as a weapon. He posits the ninja might have preferred wakizashi with less pronounced curves and that they may have fitted them with modified Tsuba, those squarish guards, that would serve them well in their work. And certainly, this successful ninja, king of assassins and assassins to kings, could have afforded those luxurious blades, unlike Hayes's impoverished rebel freedom fighter. Further... There are straight swords in the historical record that do more closely align with the description of the ninjato. These swords, like the chokudo, which literally means straight sword, predate the era of the katana and the wakazashi, but the predecessors to the ninja that were getting their start in the 1200s may have relied on such blades. In the end, It's impossible to be completely definitive about whether the ninja used a special sword that was worthy of its own name, the ninja sword, or whether it should be called a modded-out katana or wakazashi. While most scholars accept the ninjado as a Hollywood weapon, a product of popular culture skewing our view of history, there are still some open questions around just what swords the ninja really did use. And it's also impossible to be completely definitive about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There have been so many versions done by so many different people at this point that it's hard to be sure of anything. But we can say this much. Leonardo was meant to wield Katana. And he has wielded Katana. And he does wield Katana. So, definitively speaking, we were right. Oh, and thanks, Brandon, for taking the time to contact us and giving us the chance to research and write this episode. This has been GM Word of the Week. It's written and researched by the angry GM and produced by me, Fiddleback. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gmwordoftheweek. You can find more at gmwordoftheweek.com and theangrygm.com.